HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Heritage Radio Network on Tour was recorded at Slow Food Nations 2017, a festival to taste and explore a world of good, clean, and fair food for all. Slow Food Nations took place in Denver over the weekend of July 14th through 16th and included panels, workshops, roundtables, cooking demos, farmer's markets, food tastings, and more. Heritage Radio Network's Kat Johnson traveled from Bushwick to the Mile High City to report on this first-of-its-kind international gathering presented by Slow Food USA. Heritage Radio Network on Tour is made possible by the support of the Julia Child Foundation. Welcome back to our coverage of Slow Food Nation's 2017 coverage from Denver, Colorado. I'm Kat Johnson for Heritage Radio Network, and next up we are joined by Clay Oliver. Clay is the owner of the Oliver Farm, located near Pitts, Georgia, in Wilcox County. It's a family-owned and operated working farm, and since 2012, it has been recognized by the state of Georgia for being a centennial farm, which is a farm owned by the same family for 100 years or more. Clay, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So tell me more about the Oliver Farm. Um, That's where you grew up, right? That's right. Uh, Very fortunate to grow up on our family farm. Uh, My brother and I were put to work at a young age, uh, learning chores, going to work. I couldn't wait to get out of there and leave. Uh, But then found myself after school and education coming back to the farm and uh, wouldn't trade it for anything. And tell me about coming back to the farm and why you decided to do that. Well, it's just a lot of different circumstances, but uh, I was just dissatisfied with where I was at. And, uh, you know, you can always go home when you can't go anywhere else, and that's what I did. And, uh, you know, farming's in your blood. It's in your blood or ag lifestyle, and uh, it definitely is in ours and mine, and I wanted to be back. I love watching uh, crop cycles uh, from start to finish. Uh, you know, you put the seed in the ground, and it's pretty much it's, – you can do a lot, but it's pretty much out of your hands then – uh, with uh, nature and so forth. So uh, it's always uh, a challenge. Every year is different, and I think that keeps it interesting. Though you do the same, sometimes monotonous-seeming chores, it's always different. And you are known for your cold-pressed oils, um, which to a lot of people may seem a little unusual to be growing, to be pr- pr- making them in Georgia. Um, so how did you get the idea to start making oils? Well, initially when I got to started thinking about oil, it was to make biofuel. Uh, In 2008, when the economy tanked, uh, fuel prices soared. I thought, hey, I could grow something on my farm and turn it into biofuel and, you know, help make us more sustainable. 
Um, so I began studying and researching all I could about the processes and the equipment needed. And along the way, fuel prices went back down. And I met some people who said, you know, you should make food-grade oil. And that just set off a mind bomb for me. And I was like, wow, I could do that. I could make it, bottle it right here on the farm. And as I studied that and began learning, I was introduced to the cold press technique, uh, method of extracting oil. And that's when I really thought, hey, this is a niche I could do. It's not that, uh, it's not like I'm putting it in a huge factory. Uh, we're doing things in a simple uh, process, keeping it really pure. And uh, it just, uh, that's, that's how it got started. And what types of oils are you making? What did you start making, and then what did you move into? Well, we stuck with sunflowers. We knew I could grow them in our climate pretty easily. We've been growing them for wildlife for years, and uh, it was a pretty easy transition uh, to grow it for harvest. Uh, though we did have some learning cur- a learning curve there uh, in the harvesting and storing of the sunflowers, getting them clean. Um, we also do uh, peanut oil. Uh, we, we call it a green peanut oil because of the flavor is so fresh, mm-hmm. and uh, we use really high-quality peanuts. We also do a pecan oil, uh, pumpkin seed, uh, do a Benny seed oil, and that's why we're here uh, with Slow Foods. Uh, I've played around with hemp seed, okra seed, almond, walnut, flax. Wow. Watermelon seed. So I have a question about the green peanut oil. Would you use it the same way you would normally use peanut oil, or do you think that it, it can it has applications that are better suited to the flavor? It is an oil, so if you want to fry with it, you, you can surely fry with it. It has a smoke point of about 400 degrees. What sets our peanut oil apart is the flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you taste it, you instantly know you got a peanut uh, flavor. It's very fresh, green. Uh, Stephen Satterfield began calling it green peanut oil. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon all the other folks that ordered wanted the green peanut oil. So it kind of distinguished that it has that green, grassy flavor. Um, most of them use it as a finish oil, I think, in their restaurants. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Um, Mm -hmm. And so tell me, for those of us who don't really know what the cold press process looks like, can you walk me through it? Sure. There are several ways that you can extract oil. Uh, Expeller presses, uh, they're larger machines usually. They generate a little heat on their own. Um, What I do is we don't uh, allow any uh, extreme heat, only what it produces itself. I mean, you know, the... uh, basic law of physics is so friction and pressure it's going to create a little heat but the goal is to not let it get high enough that it you know uh, changes the oil the flavor of the oil or breaks down the oil in any way um, one thing that I realized that I wasn't aware of was the difference between refined oils and oils that are unrefined uh, they're bleached deodorized and uh, they're made to be shelf stable for years and years um, you know, everybody says, well, I use vegetable oil. Well, what vegetable? It's more, uh, more likely a combination of stuff that's just been uh, cooked and refined to be a, a you know, homogenous flavored oil. Um, so I heard that you recently had one of your oils tested that came in with surprisingly low saturated fats. I know that all of your oils are pretty low, but tell me about the one that you that kind of shocked you. Yeah, well, you know, when we first started out, I got a lot of flack from people saying that, oh, sunflower oil isn't healthy. Uh, you know, we use only olive oil or we use coconut oil and so forth. And those are good oils. There's nothing wrong with those. But uh, just as you said, got an analysis done on some oils, and the sunflower oil came back uh, almost half as much, again, lower than olive oil in saturated fat. It's higher in monounsaturated fats. 
So uh, I don't think we need to knock on it, and we should really push it that this is a healthy alternative uh, to olive oil and coconut oils. It's much uh, closer. Uh, it's more local. Um, it's easier to grow. Uh, it has a, a, a environmentally, uh, it's easier to grow. It doesn't take the chemicals or the labor that some of these other crops do. Yeah, what do you say to people who they say, I stick to one type of oil? I only use olive oil. It's pretty boring. You know, hey, you know, where's your sense of adventure? Uh, you know, there's, as I said, there's nothing wrong with olive oil, and we use it on certain things. But, uh, gosh, if you're making something and you add a little pecan oil or green peanut oil to an uh, Asian-themed dish or something, um, it'll change your life. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you also have a, a newer oil you've been working on, um, okra oil, which I'm very intrigued by. Yeah, the okra oils, um, surprisingly, is you know just uh, had a great response to it from the chefs that we've sent it out to. Uh, a little more than I was anticipating because now I'm having a little trouble sourcing okra seed. Um, if you know, okra seed are very small, they're very hard, and I found that they're very low in oil, so it takes a lot of seed to make uh, okra oil. So hopefully, as I see demand is going to increase, we'll find some people willing to grow it out for seed for us. Uh, We may even be able to incorporate some heirloom or land race varieties and uh, have a use for them. So um, what are you, are you just sourcing the seed or are you like, are you doing something with the byproduct, the rest of the okra? Right now, I'm holding on to the byproduct. I'm not really sure uh, how to use it. Uh, I'm going to look and see if it's suitable for animal feed. It has a you know tough outer shell, kind of fuzzy uh, almost. Y- yeah. Uh, so um, you know, I'm pretty sure there's some cosmetic uses for it. Um, we just I need a little more time to to figure that out. Work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you first started making your oils, you had some chefs who kind of helped build the brand. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I met um, Don Cooper with Georgia Organics at the time, and he just he liked our product, and he said, hey, you should take it to the chef in Atlanta who really pushes local stuff and tries to help small farmers. And I said, okay, who's that? And he's like, you know Stephen Satterfield? I was like, nah, never heard of him. And uh, he said, well, go by one day and see him. And uh, I happened to catch him there one day, and uh, he was really excited uh, about the oil, tasted it right there, and he's like, wow, this is really good tastes green and he said i'm going to charleston to film an episode of mind of a chef with sean brock he said do you know sean i was like never heard of him and he said well he's a pretty big name and you would like him and uh he said if you don't mind i'm gonna take this oil with me and i said yeah go ahead so he did that and did film the episode uh and from that moment on you know other chefs and, and foodies were uh began seeking out the oils so how big has your production gotten now like how, do you know how many restaurants you're in? Um, how, like, where, where can people find the oil? I, I see it all over the place in Atlanta. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure. We do so many oils. I mean, it would, I'd have to go back and look and see what our volume is for each one. They vary, of course. Um, but we stay busy now, pretty much full-time. And um, my, it's so busy, my wife Valerie has stayed home, and she works with us full-time. Uh, I have another full-time uh, lady that helps us bottle and package. It's time-consuming because we do everything ourselves, from growing a lot of the stuff, cleaning it, pressing it, bottling it, labeling it, and then marketing the product. It, it, uh, it takes the work. 
Yeah. Um, and you work with Georgia Grown. So tell me a little yes. bit about how, how they work with you and what they do to help your company. So Georgia Grown has been very important to our business. Uh, when I first uh, started, they were who I kind of reached out to to get some guidance on what are the guidelines for these oils that I'm producing. You know, can I even do this? What, uh, what does my facility need to look like? Uh, I figured it was better to come in ahead of time and ask versus, you know, you know, backing out of something and, and starting over. So uh, marketing, they held events uh, and promoted us um, and support in, in, in a lot of ways. And then I want to turn to the reason that we're here this weekend for Slow Food. Um, what are you doing this weekend in Denver? Okay, well, it's been a beautiful trip out here for us. I've never been to Denver, and it's, uh, like I said, just beautiful scenery. The weather's been nice. I don't miss the humidity from back home that we don't have out here. Um, got in on uh, Friday. We participated in the Delegate Summit, and I got to network with some people, and that was really nice. Yesterday, we had a great day out on Larimer Square and the Taste Marketplace, free to the public. Uh, had a huge crowds. I believe I sampled more than I've ever done in a single day. Um, you know, uh, today we're doing the same thing. Uh, so really nice to be here. They've got a great, uh, beautiful city. Uh, so, yeah. um, have there been any big takeaways that you've had so far from the festival, from people that you've met maybe? Yeah, we've uh, connected with a couple of restaurants here in town, and we are excited to work with, uh, begin working with them in the future. And people at the marketplace saying, "Oh, you need your oil in this shop and this shop." So, just getting leads on things like that, places where we can uh, have it available retail. Awesome. And I want to ask too, how did you first hear about or get involved in slow food? I guess I first heard about Slow Foods through the Good Food uh, movement. Uh, we we entered their oil competition, and uh, through that circle, uh, I think which is a spinoff of Slow Foods, um, learned a little bit more about it. And there's a chapter in Atlanta, uh, Georgia. There's a chapter in the coastal areas, and I'm not really close to either one of those. If they need things for events and so forth, we 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 help out and uh, looking for ways to to be more involved. Yeah, and and how do you think slow food is going going to move forward? And you know, we talk to a lot of people who are in these city chapters, but you're you're in a more rural area. How do you see, or how do you hope that slow food kind of moves into more rural areas and makes a bigger impact? Well, just to get people eating eating healthier, um, if we could get them to use cold pressed, unrefined Oliver Farm oils, that would be uh, great. Uh, but, you know, in the South, it's a little different culture uh, as far as food, uh, the foodie world goes. So as more people become aware of what's going on, how you should eat healthier, you know. Some of these things that are highly processed aren't good for us, and we should uh, be, be concerned about that and willing to uh, share it with our communities. Yeah, and one of the themes of the festival this year is um, about biodiversity. I think that the work you're doing with producing many different types of oils is right in line with that theme. Um, so how, how are you working to increase the, the biodiversity of your farm and of your oils? Well, you know, you don't want to have your eggs in one basket. And so on a farm, as, as diverse as you can be sometimes, you don't want to be too diverse, but, you know, that, that, that helps because with nature, uh, droughts, and too much uh, this or that, you know, you can um, 
get in trouble if you have a monoculture, if mm-hmm. you will. So um, just um, the different flavors we get, the different applications we can use for the oils, the byproducts and the things that we're able to create from them are just opening up uh, new, new ventures. And what oils will you be um, having people taste today? Today we have uh, our four Good Food Award winners, uh, the sunflower, pecan, green peanut, the Benny oil. We also have an herb-infused sunflower oil that is really popular. And uh, I have a little bit of okra seed oil. Ooh, I'm going to have to come down and try some of that. All right, come I on I hear down. so much about it. Well, Clay, thanks so much for joining me to talk a little bit about what you're doing this weekend at Slow Food Nations and just about um, the Oliver Farm. Um, best of luck with the rest of the day today and hope to see you again soon. Well, you're welcome, and thank you very much.